Hey, everybody, before we get into this next episode with Robbie Lewis, make sure you check out attackelete.com. That is A T A C L E T E.com. Use the promo code ONES READY. Instead of piecemealing all of your equipment, your fins, your booties, your high volume masks, and stuff like that, go to One Stop Shop with Attackelete. Get everything you need there. It's the same equipment that they use in the pipeline. So it's not like you're going to get used to something outside while you're training up for it in development um, and then get something totally different in the pipeline. It's the same exact equipment. So when you learn how to clear your mask with a high volume mask from a tackle, you're going to do the same exact thing, same exact procedures in the pipeline. So enjoy clearing your mask. Um, also, make sure you check out Eberly Stock. They have or eberlystock.com, you know the website. You've been there tons of times. Our promo code is OR10. That's OR10. They've got great modular systems. They've got a lot of tech apparel. Uh, anything you need for law enforcement, military, hunting, whatever it is, uh, it'll keep you warm. It'll keep you uh, performance-related, doing whatever you're doing. And then if you need to train for the pipeline, they've got great rucks for that. Um and really any kind of three-day pack or just going out hiking, they've got you covered. So check them out, eberlystock.com and promo code OR10. And now onto this episode with Robbie Lewis, who is the SOCOM small UAS or small unmanned aerial system uh, instructor and teach you guys all kinds of stuff about uh, the little drones. All right. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're here in the team room, and today we've got Robbie Lewis with us. And I I want to kind of, because I don't want to um, shorthand you or shortchange you, you know, short jokes and all that kind of stuff aside. Um, so I know that you've got quite a bit of time in the Air Force as well. So I want to kind of hand it over to you and say, one, welcome and appreciate you joining us. But two is tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of what your background is. And then we'll get into what kind of the cool things that you're doing now. Yeah. Um, uh, first and foremost, I appreciate, you know, your time and, and, you know, setting up a, a, a time for us to sit down and chit chat and allowing me to tell my story. Cause I, I've been told it's pretty interesting to me. It just seems like, you know, a standard Tuesday. Right. But um, so I've been yeah. in uh, uh, over 20 years now. Um, I started out in 03. Actually, before that, I was delayed enlistment for the Marine Corps. And then I met my wonderful wife. Um, we got married pretty quick out of high school. Um, and then I, I joined, I switched up my enlistment to the Air Force. Uh, probably one of the smarter things I've ever done, um, which is a very short list. But uh, so I joined in 03. I was a weapons loader. Um, my first base was Minot, North Dakota. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah, I get that face a lot. In, in tech school, yeah, in tech school, everybody's like, "Oh, I got Klein Brogel and Vokel and Buschel and Getty and Aviano." I'm like, "Oh man, I've got Minot. That's got to be in like Scandinavia. This is going to be awesome." <laughs> North Dakota. My wife cried for like a week, right? So, um, we we get up there in a, a September of '03, and we don't leave again until uh june of 2009 so so we spent quite a bit of time there it was a great great base we had a great time um everybody knows what happened in 07 right <laughs> not it's in the air, air force history book now so um 
Not the best. Well, well, I know what happened in 07, but other people don't. Well, know. So what are you no, what are you alluding to? No, they they can actually read about it. I, I think it's actually in the PDG now. I, I would have to double check, but I'm fairly certain the whole reason for Global Strike Command standing up and all that is is actually in the PDG. So um, that's never uh, some munitions were moved from Minot to uh, to Barksdale mm. Air Force Base, um, and and I think that was 07. It might have been oh eight. I'm not sure. It all runs together. It's been it's been a while, but that was a that was a big deal that, when they that was accidentally you know yeah. move those uh nuclear <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> whoops. Not the best time to be at Minot Air Force Base. Um so we left there. actually I was there till yeah, two thousand nine. Uh then I went to Kunsan, Korea. Uh I did a year over there. Um before I left over there, I moved my family to Shaw because that was going to be my follow-on. So I get done with Korea. That was a really cool, great experience. Um, and I get back to Shaw, and I realize, like, man, I'm I'm never home, right? Like, I want to see my kids grow up. I'm always TDY somewhere. I'm going to cross-train, and it's going to be great. So me being the dumb, dumb maintainer that I was and I feel like I still am, um, I just started looking at SRB listings, right? So, so what's got the biggest bonus? Obviously, yeah. you know, there, there's PJ, CCT, TACP. I'm like, okay, well, I don't, don't like to swim. So PJ is probably not going to be the best thing for me. I thought about combat control. I really thought about TACP. And then I see this, this one, it was like right below TACP. I think it was a, a one uniform 071 sensor operator. RPA sensor operator. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Yep. So I snagged that one up. I put in my cross training paperwork and uh, thinking I was going to be home all the time. And 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 all reality, uh, even whenever I was home, I wasn't home. Whenever I was gone, I was really gone. Um, and I I did that from 2011 to 2016. Um, we had some family stuff happen. Some some you know, grandfathers pass away and stuff. So we're like, you know what? We're moving back home to beautiful Northwest Florida. I punched it like 15 years active duty, um, which is crazy. Not one of my smarter decisions. And that's a much longer list, right? So, Oh, wow. <laughs> are you the, are you the only disgruntled uh, uh, or not disgruntled, but are the, you the only person that is upset about going guard? No, no, no. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I can't lie. I've had I've had a great, great run of things. Um, but yeah. So so I I left in I left active duty in 2016. I got down here. I became a first sergeant for the 859th Special Operations Squadron, which was great. Okay. I like being a shirt. Um, I can relate to people doing dumb things inconveniently. Like I've done many of those things myself. Um, so, so there's that, that level of reprocity there, right? Like, I know what you're doing, dumb, dumb. Like you can't, I've been there. I wrote the book. Right. Um, and then, uh, so in the, the reserve world, it's weird. You can serve in a bunch of different capacities, right? It's obviously geared towards somebody fulfilling a reserve commitment one week in a month, two weeks a year, if you're a traditional reservist, Right. But there's also opportunities to supplement active duty manning where they're short at. So that's where I found myself on what's called an MPA day. 
Um, and that's Title 10 active duty orders. And I knew about this little field just south of me here because I used to drag race out there at high school. Right. I was like, this is, <laughs> there's got to be something going on out there. So after calling and talking and talking and talking, I ended up out there as like the scheduler registrar guy for the SOCOM SWA schoolhouse, right? Small unmanned aerial system schoolhouse. It's great. There's two buildings. It's like the geriatric ward of, of, of the training squadron <laughs> we're attached to. It's, it's five old crusty GS guys, right? That just bicker like little school girls. It's hilarious. But the impact that we make with those five guys and me and a major is pretty much unparalleled whenever you give like a cost benefit analysis, right? We train everybody from all the different special forces groups, obviously lots of AFSOC ST guys. Um, we're trying to get spun into the TACP thing on the on the conventional side through ASOSs and ASOGs. Um, everybody in special Naval Special Warfare Group 4, um, obviously lots of other people. Um, literally everybody within SOCOM has the potential to come to our schoolhouse. So it's it's really great. And a lot of times it's, it's just in time training or, or it's been up for, you know, a deployment where they're fixing to utilize these systems. So I've been out there for a while. Uh, great. Did I lose you? No, no, you're here. Okay. All right. <laughs> my, my video locked up and you had like this look on your face. And I was like, oh, no. Um, so I've no, been no, out. No. I, that's, I, just my, that's just my face. <laughs> that's just my face. Um, so I, I've been out there for a while. Um, like I said, since 2017, and now I'm on what's called a voluntary limited period of active duty. And this is this horrible program that the Air Force has that has allowed me to serve on active duty for three years without having to be a traditional reservist. Um, it's going to put me like 270 days short of retirement. So I'm having to like try to extend it. And my, my waiver is actually up at the Pentagon right now. Hopefully it gets approved. I'm not real. I'm not real. Uh, not real hopeful. No, no, no. So I'm contingency planning now. That's why my page is Robbie Lewis realtor and all that kind of stuff. I've had some businesses and all that kind of stuff going on just because I don't like working. That'd be a real, that'd be that a real shame though. If, like, if working for people, you know, sucks. 200 and you said, I think, 286 days or something like that. Is that what you said? Short of like, if they can't figure out a way to get you to that. Yeah, they can't, if they can't figure that out, then I'll have to go back to my reserve unit as a traditional reservist and then come back on those MPA days. Right. So there's a bunch of weird math and like reservists don't even understand reserve math. It's like VA math. It's, it's really, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now, um, my brother's a guard guy, and it's the same kind of weird, like, hey, I'm... Title I'm 32 versus Title 10 guard. versus yeah. AGR versus ART. Like, man, you're literally just... And then I'm a, I'm, a ma I'm a master sergeant, or I'm a technician. Like, it's, it's yeah. just really weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so, that's, so that, that's 20 years and 10 minutes or less, so... <laughs> well, um, hopefully, hopefully you get those last 200 something days and that's, that's no issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. you had talked about like, man, you've, you've actually done quite a bit. So you were weapons loader for B-52s. And I think yep. you also Vipers too, right? Yep. F-16s? Yep. F-16s. Yep. Then, and then sensor operator. Yep. 
Were you were you primarily MQ1s or MQ9s? So I was one of the first like hundred, I think, one uniforms whenever they stood up the career field. So whenever it was still in like its infancy, um, mm-hmm. I was like one of the first ten classes through the basic sensor operator course. It was it was really just coming online whenever I cross trained to it. But yeah, I, I was, I was all MQ ones. Um, my, my unit in Missouri was actually transitioning to MQ nines as I was leaving. So, I mean, it was, it was good old days, bad old days, whatever, I, I guess it's a matter of perspective, yeah. um, all the way through, you know, the, the height of Helmand in 2013 and, um, and, and we were the, we were the first ones after ISIS, in 2014 i think um like it was business was booming man i i I always describe it as like it was it was the best worst job to have right so it, it it was it was really great whenever it was great and everybody was having fun and you know you're hunting bad guys but the minute yeah. you're supporting you know like a no shit tick and or or troops in contact right and and you know you're hearing the radio calls and the jtac's freaking out you know everybody's panicking and it's just a really really bad day for everybody like it sucked yeah sucked bad right no and that's so that's that's the part of it that a lot of people don't uh get or don't think about or relate to because you know you've got guys on the ground and, and that's what you hear about a lot you hear about the guys on the ground Right. And that's, I mean, especially in the world that I live in, because it's us, yeah. uh, but you never really take into account the guys that are are flying in the air because they, you know, you guys do everything that you possibly can, everything, wh- whether, whether you're a sensor operator, an RPA pilot, uh, F-16 driver, hog driver, whatever it is, like you're doing everything that you possibly can to help the folks out on the ground. And because they're they're in a bad way, they're in a bad situation, and there's only so much you can do, especially with the information that you're given, um, you know. And that's if that's if everything you actually have ordinance. I mean, because you could have, you know, with with you guys, you know, you're especially the MQ ones, you're limited on ordinance. So yeah. once once that's gone, the best you can do is help provide situational awareness for other aircraft, situational awareness for the guys on the ground, comm relays and stuff like that. And it's, it's very, very frustrating. And it puts you guys, uh, you know, the whole aviator community in a really um, difficult spot mentally, because man, you're, you're hearing everything. And especially for you guys with the, you know, the big eye in the sky, you're seeing a lot of stuff and man, you're, you're you're helpless in a way you know it it sucks yeah, it, it, and it, it pisses you off and and there there's i believe personally that within the next probably five to ten years maybe you're going to see something very akin to like gulf war syndrome and 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 all that kind of stuff because the rpa community is, is is pretty small um and or it, it, at least it was whenever i was there now i think they're up to two wings three wings like just it's, it's grown massively um yeah there's a big demand there, there there is and and to add another component to that you know yeah you're you're supporting all these guys on the ground and they're having a bad day and all that and then uh and then 
you get done with that situation and you unplug and you go home and eat spaghetti with the kids. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's tough, man. Like it, it, it's really, really hard to unplug. And that's kind of what parlayed me into uh, uh, like back into woodworking and all that kind of stuff. I ran a woodworking business from 2018 to 2022. We actually just closed up shop, but I got back into that as a therapy, man. Cause it, it I was going down a dark hole. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was rough yeah. some days and, and, and you got to have some sort of coping mechanism. Like, um, I, I really lucked out cause I have my wife. She's great. She's been with me from the beginning of all this. And, uh, I, I had her to lean on, but I mean, there, there's a limit to that given, you know, the information that we're dealing with and the situations we're dealing with and where we're operating yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So I, I dove back into woodworking and, and and that was my therapy for the longest time, and I turned it into a decent business, and then, you know, everything fell apart around that. But um, yeah, it, it 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 was it definitely offers a unique perspective to things. So, I mean, oh yeah, and like I said, man, it's it's not it's not me, you know, blowing smoke up your ass. Having having you know, I've been a combat controller my entire career, so I'm coming up on 24 years, right? Yeah, and. There was a, I had a deployment downrange where I was the wing weapons officer for the F-16s, um, you know, in Bagram. And, you know, it's usually what happens is there's a, a kind of seasoned patch that goes over there with the F-16s. And it's, it's a fairly new crew. You know, the, your commander and DO and some of the guys are, are, are veterans seasoned. They've been around a while, but then you get some brand new captains that had never seen a, a you know, troops in contact that never employed in real life uh, other than in training. And I remember sitting down with one of the guys, cause one of our CCTs, had, had, JTACs had gotten in a, a pretty good troops in contact and he, he had gotten back and he had supported and uh, the, the Viper pilot had supported and he's reviewing his tapes and I'm over there debriefing with him. And like, he was, he was upset in a bad way. Cause he's like, I can hear the guy screaming. I can hear the gunfire. Like I can hear everything going on. And I, I ran out of bullets. Like I, I was, I was Winchester. I had nothing, you know, or, um, I know, I know he had employed, I want to say, I could be wrong. I thought he was Winchester or maybe he was having difficulty because it's not just about being able to employ. It's being able to understand like, okay, these are the enemy. These are the friendlies. Let me make sure I don't hit them. So it, it was something like that. There was, he couldn't do everything that he wanted to. And he was really upset about it. And I'm like, Hey man, like I, I get it. And I appreciate the fact that you're so passionate and so upset about it, but this is where we got to learn. And you know, we, we got to move on. You can't let this cripple. You can't let this just really affect you because guess what? You're flying tomorrow too. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. may be supporting somebody else. Yeah. Like, so you know, you, you got to learn from it. And that's, that's a bit of everything. That's, you know, for the guys on the ground too. Yeah. It's just reality. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, I think my time doing that really, really transitioned well to this circumstance that I'm in now with the, the small UAS schoolhouse and all that, because I can speak intelligently to, you know, the air side of, of, contact situations like i i understand nine lines maybe not as intimately yeah. as you obviously but i do understand you know nine lines i yeah, understand sure. close air support i understand isr and funnel navigation and target talk-ons and unit of measures and 
all this other kind of stuff. And it allows me to bring a different perspective to the schoolhouse, to these guys. And I can say, Hey, well, you know, this ODA guy that you're talking to right now, the, the, the JTAG for the ODA, whoever this guy is going to be, he, he's looking at it from this perspective. Right. And, and I've got, I've got a South T guy that works out there, an old retired South T guy. I've got a, a tag P instructor, or he was he was a tag P. Now he's a instructor out there. But um, we got some other retired sensor operators from AC one thirty days and stuff. But and then we got like the cop, right? Who just does <laughs> cop things, right? Whatever that means. Um, but we've got a really unique group of guys out there and, and the level of training that we can offer, you know, whether it's a controller or even a pararescue doing, you know, search operations. I, I just sat down for probably 45 minutes the other day and talked to a PJ out of, uh, I want to say it was at the schoolhouse out of Kirkland, but he was wanting to come through one of our courses and he's like, well, how can I use this? I'm like, well, you know, if, if you have, personal recovery in an open area, you know, you can, you can use a large fixed wing. If you're, you know, looking at an urban area, you can use a quadcopter. If it's a closed structure, like a parking garage, you can use this little black Hornet thing. Like there's, there's all kinds of yeah. stuff. Like, and we just started kicking it back and forth. And I think him and a couple other guys from the schoolhouse are coming through. So, so that's, that's awesome. I mean, we, we get to make an impact not only on current operations, but future operations as well. So, yeah, and that's that's really important. So this is a, a SOCOM accredited program, a Special Operations Command accredited program. And what all are you guys teaching, and how long is the course? Yeah, so we teach the RQ-20 Bravo, which is the Puma. Um, so everything we teach right now currently is group two and below, so less than 55 pounds, right? So they're all small hand-launched, small unmanned aerial systems. Um we have the RQ-20. We have a quadcopter system coming online. Um, we were using a, a company called PSI that was, like, mandated by SOCOM to create this Instani Gen 4. Actually, they've had a couple different generations or iterations of it. Um, and, and the company just recently had a close-up shop due to manning and inflation and all that kind of stuff. So they, they couldn't sustain their operations, so they closed up shop. Um, so AFSOC, actually, as a whole, is going towards the Skydio X2. Um, so that course is coming online. And then we have a, a 32 gram itty bitty teeny weeny helicopter, oh, yeah. um, the, the the Black Hornet 3 made by FLIR. So, yep. Uh, the, that thing's the, pretty cool. It, it is. It is. And, and it has, it's more capable than you think it is. I, I wish the camera was maybe a little bit better, um, but that's just me being a, a imagery snob, right? But, um, but, but, but it's, it's really capable. Um, it's more capable than I thought it was. I mean, it can fly a click out, like no problem. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, and it, I mean, it, it's little, I remember, I remember the first time seeing it, I was at the 22nd special tactics squadron and I'm, I'm in my office and all of a sudden I just, and, and it's <laughs> fairly quiet. Now, when yeah. you get it in indoors in a, you know, close space, you can hear it quite a bit, but, um, you know, I couldn't hear it down the hallway. Yeah, and because I'm in my office, and then it comes into my office and swings, <laughs> you know, right in front of my face. I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty cool, you know. Yeah. And then they 
you know, make it, make it leave the office. And, um, I mean, this was a PJ flying it. He hadn't been to school or anything like that. It was just, it's very intuitive and, and you can pick it up pretty easily. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. cool. I, 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 it does take some getting used to the controller is uh, we actually 3d printed replicas for the controller because there's so many different buttons and the buttons sometimes have three or four different functions to them. Right. So we actually made little 3d printed hand controllers that people can use in class to learn different button groupings and all that kind of stuff. And they're just not like <laughs> clicking away, you know what I mean? On the simulator. So we we do a lot of really really cool stuff out there, and I'm really proud to be a part of it. Um, it's it's not as rewarding as being a sensor operator, as far as like making a direct impact. Um, but knowing that you're making an impact long term, and you're enabling all of these yeah. guys to do these awesome badass things, like it doesn't get much better than that, right? So. Well, that's what we we talk about it, and you you've said it as a senior NCO anyway. Like you got to build your bench, right? Yeah. Because it's not going to be me out there executing, um, you know, in twenty twenty five or whenever this this whole the future happens, right? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be everybody that we are training now. So um, that's why it's important for us to train. Yeah, um, but you know, Dan, you know, damn good and well you're going to want to be out. You know you're gonna well, want of course. to be out there. Yeah. so bad. It's it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean that's just the way it is. But in reality, yeah. uh, by that time, there there's no way that they're gonna release a uh, a chief to go out there and and hack the mesh. Yeah, yeah. But you're still you're still gonna have that drive. That drive is something that doesn't go away, and I think it's something that's really unique to the the AFSOC mentality and the AFSOC m- mindset. Right, like you always have that drive to want to go do and 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 it's tough sometimes to to hit the pause button and go hey man maybe i need to let somebody else go do this maybe i do need to build that bench maybe i need to you know take all of this wisdom that i have and try to impart that on somebody else right so it's that that, that well, that's that, part of the podcast so <laughs> yeah 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 100 100 whenever i heard you guys on citizen the other day talking about it i was like man this is this is awesome. What these guys are doing is phenomenal. And, and, and it's taking all these years of wisdom or experience that we have or y'all have and, and imparting that on the next generation. So they don't make the same stupid mistakes that we do, or if they do, they make them better, right? At least or yeah, yeah. different. <laughs> maybe, maybe instead of the mistakes that I made at a hundred miles an hour, maybe <laughs> they make it at fit. Maybe they make it at 50. Maybe. maybe. Instead. Maybe. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how long is um does is it platform dependent uh the length of the course? It 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 is right now. Um yeah, uh, so the idea, right, is to just be able to pick up a hand controller or a phone or whatever and utilize whatever asset you have, right? Um unfortunately technology isn't there yet. So so right now we are still very platform specific. Um, there's a couple of AFSOC and AFRL or Air Force Research Laboratories projects going on um, to try to get us there, but we're not there yet. So our Puma course, the larger fixed wing aircraft is two weeks long. And then we try to pair that. So you'll go to like Puma and then right you can do Skydio and then Black Hornet, right? So you're down here for a month. I know it's really rough being in Northwest Florida for, you know, a month at a time, right? Like... <laughs> But you're down here for a month, 
and you walk away with three systems underneath your belt that you can take back to your unit and start doing that mission qualification training piece, right? So specifically to how the 22nd or the 23rd or, you know, SEAL Team 4 or, you know, Fifth uh, Special Forces Group utilizes their systems, right? All of that is mission specific because everybody yeah. uses it differently, right? So, well, I, so, uh, you know, now, and I know you're saying that the technology, still has a ways to go, which is true. But I remember flying the pointer and the Raven B back in the, the early two thousands. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, and, and we were thinking like, this is pretty cool. It's cumbersome. Like it's not ideal, but okay, this is where we got to go. We just, we understood that, Hey, the technology is not there, but the, the problem was that we needed organic ISR, some, some kind of organic because we couldn't rely on, um, MQ1s or MQ9s or, or AC130s or whatever to to be there because you're, you're talking about a high demand, low density uh, capability being yep. something with a pod or something with eyes. So you've got to be able to organically source that that eye in the sky, and that's where the whole UAVs or the the SWASs came from, or the I'm sorry, I'm trying not to use acronyms, but UAV is uh, unmanned aerial vehicle and SWAS is small unmanned aerial system. Yeah. Right? System? Yeah. 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 So um so we needed a way to organically source any kind of uh ISR. So that's where these came from. And and now the technology, I mean, the technology from now, just the the way to control those things and, and how they fly and how they're, you know, it's HD on the, on the cameras on a lot of them compared to the early 2000s with the pointer is, is a big deal. Like, so. And, and, and they've come a really, really long way. And as far as like disseminating that information, right. So, so we like the phrase, what you're talking about is organic inner team ISR, right? So you have an ODA, you have, you know, an SR team outside, they're doing low observable recon operations, whatever. They launch a Puma, they're doing uh, ISR on themselves, their own overwatch, organic overwatch, right? Um, We're getting really good about populating what we're seeing throughout the rest of the team through like ATAC and stuff like that. That's come a really, really long way. Um, but as far as like actually controlling the aircraft, I mean, you're still using the Sega Genesis or, or Sega Game Gear style controller from the Raven, right? I mean, for the Puma, yeah. like it's still this big clunky thing. Um, only because there's not a better option out there yet, right? There's quite a few in works and, and like the Skydio is the same thing. It uses this crazy big controller. Well, until we can figure out what that node is to make everything work off of, like uh, uh, you would call it like a debris focal point, right? Like the, the, the nexus of everything, right? So what what is this so we can control that, right? Yes. Yep. Um, and, and until we find out what that is, we're, we're going to be operating kind of where we're at, at least until hopefully I retire, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean... Hopefully that happens, but at, at, at least for a while, um, which does complicate things, right? Because everybody would love to just like, you know, grab a black hornet and throw it up and pull out their, you know, phone or their, you know, flip down their EUD and just tap yeah. some buttons, you know. Um, but 
it's just not there. They're trying. Um, but a lot of times we get in our own way. Um, yes, from, we from, do. from the DOD side of things, we don't allow things to progress as fast as they should, or as quick as they should. Um, I, I was telling my boss the other day that, you know, we, we should just take a couple 19, 20 year old, fresh out of the pipeline, tag P PJ, whatever SR flavor, you know, guy and just hand them something and just go, Hey, do this. Right. Yeah. Here, here's a Skydio. Go show me something amazing. Right. And it's either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. But either way, you're going to learn, right? You're probably going to do something to plus up your TTPs, your, your techniques, tactics, and procedures, right? Um, and, and you're going to learn something. Hopefully, it's on the better side of things. But um, we, we need that young blood. We need these guys coming off the bench to get amped about it, right? To, to really push the limits of what we can do with these systems and what we can do with a DOD as far as, like, capabilities that they want. We don't we don't make capabilities at my schoolhouse, right? We're we're all demand signal driven, right? We we get the request from the end user. The end user sends it to headquarters, AFSOC headquarters. AFSOC says, "Hey, you need to train this many Puma seats." Okay, yeah, right. Now there's there's avenues to influence, right? So you have different working groups throughout AFSOC and throughout SOCOM. Um, I'm actually going down to Tampa here and like two weeks to the so terrible yeah yeah real bad um (laughs) but there's a socom swas working group that that i've been a part of there's an afsoc swas working group now um so we're we're trying to to push the envelope of what we can do what our capabilities are and and hopefully make things move a little bit quicker so we can get to that that in state of you know that futuristic small unmanned aerial system or aircraft system so well let me ask you then because you're you're living this world and you're you're you know deep in this world but um you know we've we've got special reconnaissance we've got combat controllers we've got pjs tag p and and they all do some form of recce specifically sr and, and cct um how do you how do you guys um, educate or or kind of what are ways that they can use these small UASs like in in, in missions or in training like because you can art like I can say it but um, you guys are at the forefront of it so you're gonna know better than me yeah yeah so um and and speaking specifically to AFSOC right because use of right. stock. And NSW use them their own different ways, you know, with boats and all that cool fun stuff. But speaking specifically to AFSOC, um, we've had a lot of SR guys come through. The uh, honestly, the SWAS focus has been between CCT and and SR. Right? CCT is typically looking at um, airfield surveys. Hey, can we use this runway? Is this, you know, a suitable site for landing is, you know, identifying threats within the area, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and honestly, right now they're going outside of the Air Force to get those systems that they need because the ones that we train to don't have quite that capability, right? You're looking at uh, uh, EB Tax, um, and that's taught at a, a company up in Southern Pines called Tough Stuff, 
really good guys, but, yep. um, but typically they're, they're using those survey type platforms. Um, we do have one system It's called the R80 Sky Raider that I think would be hugely beneficial to that. Um, CE actually uses it for the RADAS program, Rapid Airfield Damage Assessment System program. So I think that could be tailored into the CCT world a little bit, but um, I don't make those decisions, obviously. Um, and then on the on the SR side of things, um, working with uh, uh, one of the guys down at headquarters, AFSOC, we actually got both rotary and fixed wing um, small UAS written into the career field education training plan, CFETPs, for the five-level awarding career progression for SR guys. Um so as they're coming through the STTS pipeline now, they're actually stopping by our schoolhouse and getting Puma training real quick. Or, you know, if they're up at the 352nd, they typically get spun up on a rotary wing. But now we're actually leaning more towards combining both those efforts down at Choctaw and, uh, and, and teaching up STTS-specific course. Um, now, operationally, uh, the the biggest way that I've seen it utilized is, you know, low observable. And, and again, this was years ago in, you know, Afghanistan. Uh, we had guys from the 17th come down and, and they uh, they were talking about utilizing, you know, they're in full indige garb and everything. And, you know, they're driving around in a jingle van and they have a Puma overhead that's doing their own overwatch because yep. ISR wasn't available. Right. Like. Right. That's 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 huge. Um and, and and that gives them a capability that they wouldn't otherwise have. Um I I've talked to some TAC P's and some JTAC qualified CCTs about using uh the Puma for talking on like having a strike capability where they can, you know, use the uh switchblade. Um, and because they're a family of systems, they work together. They're all area environment products. Yeah. So the Puma can actually pipe the 10 digit grid from its center field of view to a uh, switchblade. And you can launch from that. And that gives you a miniature strike capability. Um, so in training, I'm not sure if they're being utilized a lot in, you know, FMPs or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not sure, but um, but I know overseas they're being utilized quite quite a bit. So oh yeah, hope, and, and, hope that answered you know, your question. <laughs> no, it does. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was talking about in terms of it being a you know high demand, low density asset uh, with with other sensors. So you know we'll use it for organic Overwatch, organic ISR. Um, I think they're probably and and I'm I'm familiar with the tough stuff, tough stump dudes because um, yeah. a lot of them are you know prior controllers, my friends, whatever. Um, but I mean, they're they're we're talking about incredibly capable systems that they have in terms of. I mean, we're talking like I can't remember what the actual error rate is, but I want to say it's within one centimeter accuracy that they're surveying, which to me is still just insane, but. Um, yeah. But I think there's, you know, when we start talking about, you know, the, the Kirtland, like from a training aspect, I see it as, you know, you can conduct full mission profiles. You don't necessarily have to have 
RPAs overhead or remotely pilot aircraft overhead with pilots and all that kind of stuff. You could just have instructors providing that kind of overwatch and playing that, that role. But at the same time, I got to imagine the Black Hornet is capable of um, confined structure searches and to a limited degree. And I know there's other companies out there that are um, focusing on that in terms of the, the payload that they have uh, as a sensor, um, you know, whether it's able to, I know X-ray is not the right, right terminology, but it being able to kind of see through, through one wall or even using it as a, a comm node, a communications node where you can use, you know, you can throw up a, a bird for a couple of hours to just kind of loiter and using it as a comm relay because, you know, me on the ground at, at zero feet elevation versus something that's at a thousand feet. Just being able to bounce that up to them and then that bird automatically relay it to somebody who's 60 miles away. That's a big capability. Oh, it, 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 it's huge. And, and and radio signals are still a theory, right? Like right. radio theory. So it's it, it's all a guess on what's actually going to work. Um, I, I know Lockheed had made a tethered solution um, where you can actually launch it and it stays, you know, right around a power box. And it shoots, I think, uh, 150 feet up in the air, and it has a Harris relay package and all that kind of stuff on it. So you could use it as, you know, persistent ISR, like a, PG, a mini PGSS or yeah. um, a, a, a relay node. And and there are options um, for other aircraft to utilize different payloads. So you could use a relay package. You could, you know, get into all the different ints right and 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 right. really really track down things but um and yeah a, a big problem is for a long time st was divested of small uas and and i'm not sh- that happened before my time right i i'm not sure what happened um but i Cost. know there's a yeah, co- it, it's, it's, it, I mean, even now, it is an extremely expensive program. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and and I know there was some uh, paperwork issues. Like again, we got in our own way, we tripped over our own mm-hmm. feet, and you know, we made it way too complicated to utilize these systems, which is completely asinine, right? Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Yep, um, and we've since streamlined everything, and and. I, I think as a whole, we're moving in the right direction. Um, but for that period of time, we missed out on a lot of vital feedback yeah. that we could have to develop these TTPs, R3-1, R3-3, all this kind of stuff to, to be a lot further ahead than what we are now. But we missed out on that huge window of information, right? So, so now we're trying to play catch up and, and we're working that too. I'm paired with a, couple other guys that are you know trying to get those ttps rewritten and those three dash ones updated that hey this is how we're really utilizing this on a regular basis right so yeah no that's that's all valid and so i i want to hit one more thing before we kind of wrap up but um you had mentioned integration into stts which i think is a really good thing because if you can if you can go ahead and integrate it into kind of part of the pipeline instead of sending somebody to the teams. And then, you know, cause it, it may or may not be a priority for that, for that team to send somebody 
um, which usually it is because, hey, it's all about once you get to the team, it's all about like the training, 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 deploy, training, 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 deploy. So um, like, is is that a solid thing now? Are you guys no kidding integrated into STTS now? We we are for the Puma course. Um, okay. Now, now for the we're doing a, a combination course that is specific to STTS. Nobody else is going through it, and that's mainly because of time constraints. Right? These are going to be longer class days. May have a weekend or something thrown in there. Like people come down here and they want to relax. They want to you know go through this course and have fun and all that kind of stuff. They don't want to be you know working twelve or fourteen hours a day, right? <laughs> so the ST, STTS guys, they don't mind because they're in school, right? This is yeah. your life. This is what you're going to do. Um, but I, we're, we're moving to this combination course, hopefully in the next couple months. Um, and, and we've teamed up with all the guys down there. I mean, I, I, I know all them pretty, pretty well, but it would alleviate this stovepipe that, they have whenever they get back to the teams, you know, maybe they didn't go through the rotary wing course at the three fifty second, but they came through the STTS. So they get back to their unit and they're like, Hey, I need, I got to progress in my career field. Like according to my CFETPs, I need to get signed off. Yeah. I need to be a five level. Like I, I've got a guy coming down uh, here next week. He's like, man, I've got to get signed off on my CFETPs. Can you get me through the class? Absolutely. Like we'll bump people, we'll move people to the best that I can, right? Like, yeah. Um, but he's coming down because he has to get that box checked. I mean, it, it, it it's becoming a requirement that I I I think is needed, right? Because you do have these specific career fields that are very very ISR heavy that you know really do rely on this capability, and you know they. Big AFSOC or big headquarters Air Force saw that as a need and added that to those CFETPs, right? So, yeah, yeah, I I think we're going in the right direction. Um, I think we've got some more bumps and bruises and and learning curves and all that kind of stuff heading our way, but that's just the nature of it, right? Like, you you try something, you fail, you try something else. That's just what we do. So That's exactly what we do. Well, Robbie, before uh, before we wrap it up, you have a a long career that has a bunch of different aspects to it. And one of the things that we kind of try and if, if we remember, you, usually we do a good job of it. Um, we, we ask, you know, somebody's advice because our demographic is, you know, 15 to 35 year olds that are wanting to join, um, mostly join aspect war. There are other folks that, you know, want to join the air force or Rangers or seals or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, with, with your kind of, colorful career of all these different aspects, right? I mean, cause like you've hit, like I'm looking at it cause I wrote it all down. Like you've hit a lot of different things. So okay. what would be a piece of advice for those that are wanting to uh, join the air force or just in general after your, after your time of hitting all these different things. And I know I put you on the spot cause I didn't tell yeah, you that right. I would do this. No, no, no. And, and, and that's good. I like that. Cause now I'll actually have like, a genuine made up answer that I'm having to come up with (laughs) on the spot. Um, Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to push limits. Don't be afraid to push yourself and and push your leadership and your command structure to grow because stagnation is not going to help anybody, right? If you see something that needs to change, 
try to change it. We, we, we've all heard that analogy of somebody should do something. Somebody. You're, you're somebody, <laughs> dummy. Like, look in yeah. the mirror. You're somebody. Do something. Don't be scared to do something. Don't, yep. don't be scared to try. Don't be scared to fail because, you know, I, I, I tell my kids all the time, and, and they're well within this demographic, right? I've got one kid looking to go. If you screw up something, you got two options. It can be a mistake or it can be a lesson, right? The only difference is you learn from a mistake or, or, or you, you learn from a lesson, right? Like mistakes is something you don't learn from. If you learn from a mistake, it's not a mistake anymore. It's a lesson. So don't be scared to learn lessons. Don't be scared to push the envelope. Don't be scared of change. Like embrace these things because that's what's going to make us and the Air Force and, you know, AFSOC and everything better is, is young men and women that are willing to push the envelope and, and, and try outside of the box thinking. Yeah. No, absolutely. And for, for an organic and natural response, that's uh, that's about as good as they come. So <laughs> awesome! I've done well, a Robbie. couple. I've done a. I've done a couple public speaking things. So people put me on the spot all the time. It's like a fun game people have. So <laughs> yeah, you kind of as you go along in your career, you kind of get put on the spot quite a few times, and then all of a sudden yeah. you just gotta you gotta come up with. It. And a lot of times, those are the best. That's the best uh, response. So no, we dig it. 100. One hundred percent, buddy. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Um, and, and if anybody would like to reach out to me, uh, it's, uh, on the military side, it's robert.lewis.25 at us.af.mil. Um, I will try to answer all those, but I am a pretty busy guy, and I will get to them as quick as I can. Um, if you're, if any of the guys listening are interested in training, go to your UTM at your STS. Um, talk to your training manager. And and we can we can definitely see about uh, uh, making that happen. So, yeah, awesome. Well, Robbie, appreciate everything that you've done for the Air Force, for our country, and uh, especially training the next generation of you know aspect war peeps. So, we definitely appreciate it. And for everybody out there, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review because we haven't gotten a review in a while. So, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot. Light up. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you.